Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels, your book club for movies. I'm Josh. And I'm David. This week on the show, we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a movie that one Letterboxd reviewer called Indiana Jones and the Fine Movie. Yeah, we'll figure out if that's true or not, but we'll also talk a little bit about the 4th of July. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Harrison Ford and why he is our best president. Uh, yes. we'll also, we also hope that you guys are celebrating this weekend with some fun and fireworks and some good food. That is absolutely right. As always, you can find us online at so many sequels.com where we've got all of our past episodes and links to our social channels where you should follow us. Um, and of course, Find us at patreon.com slash so many sequels uh, if you want to support the show a little more. We really appreciate it. Uh, anyway, without any further ado, please enjoy our discussion of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, so um, this is coming out around the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. You do anything for 4th of July? Yeah. This uh, is not a themed episode, really, but... No. Uh, we Which I don't think we've... Have we ever done, like, an actual 4th of July episode? I don't know I don't that we, we have. have done an actual themed one. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to consider that in we'll the future, but usually now. 4th of July weekend is a big movie weekend. So. Usually, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, five-day so, weekend. Yeah, I'm doing some fireworks with family on Monday. And then the actual Fourth of July, I think I'm just off that afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to be I'm going to be working Fourth of July morning, which I volunteered for. Uh, I just well, you get that extra pay, right? Right, get a little extra pay. Nobody else wants to work Fourth of July. And uh, personally, I'm, I'm kind of over Fourth of July. Uh, I'm over the Fourth of July traditions. Obviously, it's the Fourth like, of July it's, it's great. But sometimes yes. just sitting out in the hot and watching fireworks, I'm All like, right. I kind of after a while, I'm like, I could be playing, I could be playing Arkham Knight right now. It's hot. It's loud. I, I'm sweaty. Yeah, this isn't fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> I could be, you know, I could be watching Cocaine Bear right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. I um, do like, but I love watermelon. So if anybody's, uh, you know, got watermelon available, you know. that's one of my favorite things to eat every every Fourth of July. Um, I went out to this. Um, fire or Fourth of July show the other night in Sepulpa. They did mm -hmm. a um, a drone show, so it wasn't fireworks; it was drones. Oh yeah, yeah, I've it's seen pretty these wild. Um, they put like it had to be like two hundred drones up in the air, and they had it, you know, um, matched with music, mm -hmm. and so they had these these two hundred drones like making the shape of the American flag. And then the flag like transformed into an outline of the country, mm -hmm. and then it was like an eagle. And listen, you're gonna, you're you you will love this. <laughs> it's the 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 drones are swarming around, right? And you're like, oh, what are they making? Yeah. Meanwhile, C Toby Keith, courtesy of the red, white, and blue, is blaring. <laughs> My daddy served <laughs> in the army. You know, you know the whole thing. Yeah. And as soon as it gets to, we put a boot in your ass, it turns into an eagle. 
<laughs> and everybody goes, Whoa. they did, they freaked out. <laughs> and I got to admit, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a firework do that. <laughs> no, fireworks, you know, there are some fireworks that make shapes, but the drone technology is so, it's so cool. And the great thing about it is that you can reuse it. And you can reuse, so yeah. like the fireworks, you spend a bunch of money on fireworks and it's like, boom, and then they're gone. Drones, you can pack them up, go to the well, next town, do it again. Was you know this isn't great, but what is also great about drones is when the show actually started. About maybe two minutes in, it it like screwed up and the drones got all messed up, and oh, they weren't good. displaying the right. They were like, so it was supposed to start with it spelling out something. Mm-hmm. It was like the company presents, oh. but it was all screwed up, and we were like, "What's that trying to say? I don't get it." Mm-hmm. So then finally they come on the intercom and they're like, uh, the drone company called and they're gonna have to reset the drones and do the show again. But but and we were like, oh man, that sucks. But also, I mean, you can't do that with fireworks. Once they go, they're they're done. No, if there's a, if there's a catastrophic malfunction with fireworks, it's like, well, that was it. So there so there was, was like the a, there was like an unplanned 15 minute break while they brought the drones back down. And then they and then it went up without a hitch. So That's they are cool, definitely though. reusable. That's that'd be cool. I mean, that's cool. I I, I support the uh, the exploration of drones. You know, if you can get drones in in tandem with fireworks, then you got a pretty interesting show. I think you, you could have uh, carnage at that point. <laughs> yeah, but that's America right there. America. Uh, all right. Do we want to go ahead and get into the 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 meat and potatoes of this episode? We do. We do. It's a I do want to. It is. I want to recommend everybody, if you're not already, follow us on Litterboxd uh, oh, yeah. because we put up a post of all of our reviews there as well. Mm-hmm. I also just want to plug that I am currently in, in the uh, – I, I am undergoing two two different journeys, all right? I've started my midlife crisis early, and I'm getting really into Westerns. So <laughs> you can follow me as I travel through the world of Westerns. I'm watching all the classics and some new modern uh, hits. This sounds fun. This sounds like a spinoff. In addition to that, uh, I do not watch enough movies that my wife likes. So I have a tag called Nikki's uh, Nikki Picks. That's my wife. I'm watching movies that she subjects me to watching. And in some cases, they're great. In some cases, they ain't. So uh, tune or uh, check me out on Letterboxd, David Proc SMS. I made Are some these... new friends on Letterboxd at work. Oh, really? Yeah, some people funny. I work with were like, we're chatting up letterbox and they saw my letterbox hat and they were like hey we followed each other good you should should tell them to subscribe to the podcast i know i should have brought that up i know i know we're really, just, we'll just tell our listeners right now we're really bad at like telling people to listen to this show yeah that's what we sent garrett to school for i know and he's almost done <laughs> and then he can finally put that degree to work <laughs> um um well we're what are we talking about? I was just promoting Letterbox, but we're about to hit into... Oh, that's right. You were promoting your, our, your, your journeys. And to follow Josh as well. We're about to get into yeah. the one of our most anticipated movies of the year. Yeah, I don't remember for a fact, but I think it was on... It was at least on my list. Was it on yours as well? I believe it was on mine as well. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking this week about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, this is the fifth Indi- Indiana Jones movie. Um... All but certainly the final Indiana Jones movie, at least as we know it. Mm-hmm. 
this one, though, directed by James Mangold, not directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, however, still starring Harrison Ford. Um, we get newly added to the cast, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't want to spoil the cast because there's some there's some returning but, favorites. You know, uh, Mads Mickelson, we can say. Mads Mickelson plays the mm-hmm. villain. But uh, let me go ahead and read for you all letterboxed um, uh, premise of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Finding himself in a new era, approaching retirement, Indy wrestles with fitting into a world that seems to have outgrown him. But as the tentacles of an all-too-familiar evil return in the form of an old rival... Indy must don his hat and pick up his whip once more to make sure an ancient and powerful artifact doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. The Dial of Destiny. Uh, so, how do we want to handle spoilers for this episode, do you think? Um, you I don't know, think we can avoid them. I don't think we can either. I think we can hold off. Uh, we'll hold off for a little bit, and then yeah. we'll get it, and then we can get, kind of get into it once we kind of have stirred up the waters a little bit. All right, then let's go ahead and you and I give our general spoiler free thoughts on the movie overall what'd you think how what were you thinking coming into it how do you Def- feel definitely one of my uh most cherished franchises i think i can say that for sure love indiana jones especially uh when i was younger i uh even though you know my dad really likes it too but i really associate indiana jones more so with my mom my mom used mm-hmm. to love watching indiana jones and uh, she loved The Last Crusade. That was her favorite one. So by extension, I think that became my favorite one. And it's a good one. Um, and then um Crystal Skull, we have talked about before, and I know that you are you're an avid defender of it. Uh, and I don't dislike it as much as many. Right. I have I did rewatch all four in anticipation of this movie, and I do have some issues with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that don't have anything to do with the with the big surprise but um there's some there's just some things that i think if they'd done them slightly differently it would have made for i think a better movie anyhow Mm -hmm. i was going into this with a lot of anticipation and i love james mangold i've loved his movies over the last uh several years and so i had really really high hopes and eat my highest of hopes but i do think this was a very solid film i thought that this was quite enjoyable it had a lot of thrills. Um, there were some things that that maybe didn't land as well for me. That said, uh, I feel perfectly, I feel perfectly good uh, with the idea of watching this again. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that new fans, young fans, would like it. Um, yeah, I know Indy uh, Harrison Ford puts in a, a really good performance, and I, I, I really appreciated the dynamic of bringing in phoebe waller bridge and thankfully not trying to force a romantic situation into a story like this um so yeah i I, overall i walk away with pretty good feelings uh okay great Uh, so i will say that i also came into this with a lot of anticipation for a lot of the same reasons indiana jones is one of my favorite franchises raiders of the lost ark is why i love movies at all it's one of my favorite movies of all time Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford is one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, I did, I do pretty avidly defend all Indiana Jones movies because I am the type of fan, when I'm a fan of something, generally speaking, with, uh, outside of some like really horrible stuff, uh, if you make Indiana Jones, I like Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. 
you make it, I like it. I don't know what to say. So I do, I do enjoy Kingdom of the Crystal Skull um, more than it seems like most people do. But it's not, you know, I don't rank it in my favorites. So I had a lot of anticipation for this, but not really knowing what to expect. And I don't, after, after sitting on it for a couple of days, I don't think that the Dial of Destiny was what I thought it was going to be. But I think it still delivered what I hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Um, I was personally really pleased with it. I had a lot of fun. I was smiling like a goofy idiot for most of the movie, honestly, especially the little prologue where we see um, a younger Indiana Jones mm-hmm. um, get caught up in an adventure. That was really cool to see. I thought that those de-aging effects that Disney is doing is still quite good. Um, I thought it looked better than it did in that initial trailer that came out when there was some, mm. like, mm, and he doesn't look great on that horse. But honestly, I honestly I think it looked good. Yeah. I, and then, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just, I'll, yeah, I'll just, I'll wrap up my little review. It gave me what I wanted, even though it wasn't what I expected. I was overall very pleased with it. And... I will probably give it a pretty high rating at the end. That's my spoiler-free review. Harrison Ford still still got it. Yeah, they addressed some issues from the last one, mm. and I think overall, Indiana Jones as a franchise is left in a better place with this movie than it was with the last one. I think that's all fair. I think that's all fair. Um. You mentioned it. Let's get into it a little bit with the. Oh, I want to start with the story, I guess, but um, but yeah, we can do the, that. You brought up the effects, and I wanted to talk about that too. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into the story. So, sorry, the me. prologue, and and just to warn you guys now, this is where we're going to probably start to slowly unravel spoilers. So, um, be ready. Spoiler territory ahead. So, the premise of this movie is. The Dial of Destiny is this. The Antikythera. The yeah. Antikythera was uh, this gadget created by Archimedes in like 215 BC. And wouldn't you guess it, the Nazis were on the lookout for it. Mm-hmm. And Indiana Jones was the only one in their way. Yeah. Um, so we got in, we get a nice little prologue kind of introducing us to that story and how Indiana ended up with it in the first place. So let's start there, I guess. How did, how did that prologue work for you? You know, I was of two minds as it was happening. One, I think that James Mangle did a fairly good job of capturing a lot of, um, or at least evoking Spielberg style with that opening. Um, because you have these like, these nice sort of short one take shots, these like moments of reveal, these, uh, like big scale moments. Um, I thought that the worst de-aging shot is the very first one, honestly. When they pull the bag off his head and the light shines on his face, it just looks kind of weirdly rubbery. Time. Yeah, but sure. but after that, as it kept going, it became so it became so un- it became to the point where it wasn't noticeable. Um I think the challenge is with the de-aging. People who are going to have comment about it. Why not just cast a net young actor who looks like Harrison Ford? And, you know, they'll say that they did that with River Phoenix in the first one. And I think that there's there's two things 
could say about that one is that Harrison Ford himself was really interested in the idea. Yeah, um, that's true. Like Harrison really didn't seem to give a damn. He was like, it's me. It's just my face younger, but it's still me. I don't yeah, care. He was, he seems really impressed with the technology. Yes. And if, if, and here's what I, people love to throw this guy's name out in defense of cinema. If Martin Scorsese can come around to the idea, you know, I think we can all just get used to it. You know, the aging is going to get used, right? Yeah. Did any of that make it through? I saw that my internet. No, I think it did. I think enough of it did. I'm way more okay with the de aging than I am with the whole like um, animating dead actors that has happened a couple times. That's a little That's more true. to me. That's true. But anyhow, the other the other situation is that River Phoenix was playing Harrison, a, a younger version of Harrison Ford, younger than we have had seen Harrison Ford on film. Right. True. This de-aging moment is a moment playing young Harrison Ford at a point where we know exactly what Harrison Ford looked like when he was 45, you know? So, like, to have some actor come in who kind of looks like Harrison Ford, I think, would and tell people, oh, this is Indiana Jones. I don't know if fans accept that as much anymore, if viewers accept that as much anymore. They might not. But maybe they will. I don't know. So, after that first shot, it really becomes less noticeable, and the opening... The opening story is like 20 minutes or so, and it's a fun little adventure. It's, you know, after it's 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 further after any point we've seen India or excuse me, it's set sometime between the last crusade and Crystal Skull. So it's kind of like a nice middle point. And then there was actually a better moment later in the movie. We get a shot from about 12 years after that. And when Harrison would have been in like his 50s and that shot, actually, th- th- those de-aging moments look great. Like you couldn't even tell. Sorry, I sneezed, and now I'm sniffing, nice, the, sniffing. Whole, the whole rest of the show. Um, yeah, it's great because I I saw an interview with Harrison where he said that, you know, it's the, because he's played this character for so long and he's been acting for so long, they were able to use like hundreds of hours of footage of his actual face to make this. And so I think that was also more of why he was okay with it. Um, they were literally sourcing like footage he shot so yeah it's pretty interesting how it works and i assume it'll only get better but i am glad that we didn't spend a lot of time with it like i would not have wanted them to make an indiana jones movie where he's he's de-aged the whole time you know that would have been too much but But um, seeing this nice little throwback was fine yeah and and to to talk about the story of that opening sequence i really liked it because the first three indie movies well for the most part, the first three indie movies do this thing where they tell a short Indiana Jones story that then, you know, builds to the next, to, to the bigger story. In the first one, you have him in the jungle looking for the, the statue. In Temple of Doom, he's doing his best James Bond, uh, you know, trying to get the poison for the antidote you just drink, right? And then in the third one, it's, you know, River Phoenix. The fourth one doesn't do that. It just opens right up with Indiana Jones being taken to... You know, right into the story, the Russians just start here with him. And I thought that was a misstep to not do sort of a a story before the story. And here you have that. You have in the past, Indiana Jones did this thing. And now in the, you know, in the present day, here's how that story comes back around. And mm-hmm. so I, I really liked opening that way. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I did too. Um, I thought it was nice to see um, Indy back in action, even if it is, you know, a lot of cgi it was still cool to see i love that whole train sequence it was super fun to watch on the big screen um watching them just chase each other along the top of the rails uh also 
The whole movie is like this, but um, it, what a body count. <laughs> this movie yeah. has a high body count for Indiana Jones, I feel like. It does. And there's like a, I, I mean, it's pretty cool <laughs> moment yeah, where, where this anti-aircraft gun like fires into the train of Nazis and takes out most of them itself. So it's yeah, a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool action sequence, I think, and does a good job to set up, yes, what we're doing with the rest of the movie which is fast forwarding into um, 1969. It's Moon Day. For some mm. reason, they kept mentioning it's Moon Day. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge is playing Indy's goddaughter who arrives to seek his help. Once again, finding the, um, I forgot how to say it, Dark Amidi Antikythera. The Antikythera. Yeah. Uh, because her father, Indy's friend, and guy who is suspiciously close to Nazis in every movie he's in. <laughs> Toby Jones. Toby Jones yeah. has become obsessed with it over the years because he is convinced that Archimedes could use it uh, to time travel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we can get into the time travel aspect here in a little while, but I thought that this was a fairly decent way of getting into Indy's story. You know, the someone comes to Indy for help, and although... This kind of walked a good ground of like uh, Phoebe's character, Helena, is not a goody two shoes. She's not. No, at times know, I was like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, she, she was. She had to. She had to win our trust, you know. Mm -hmm. And that would made for a very different dynamic, say, compared to a lot of his love interests, who are either just, you know, in the case of Willie and Tipple Doom, just screaming and annoying, or uh, in the case of Marion. Someone who is kind of a kind of a hard, you know, she's a hard person, but she's constantly being captured, you know. So this yeah. kind of walked a different line of like Indy's kind of having to buck up against her. She has her own agenda. Right. She does have her own agenda that she is that she is ready to pursue and she will find the dial with or without him, basically. Um, but she's also better than, uh, you know, the dynamic that I think you had between Indiana and uh, Mutt in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, let me, spoiler warn you here again, uh, they killed off Mutt. How'd yeah. you, what'd you think about that? I, I kind of, I'm dig, I dig it. It's oh, easy. Wipe okay. it free. I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Now, it's not I'm because fine I, with it. it's not because I dislike the Mutt character or even the idea. It's not because I dislike Shia LaBeouf. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him at this stage no. of his career, but... You know, at the time when the movie came out, I had I was a big child of both guy. But nowadays, no, not so much. But anyway, if you're not gonna include Mutt in the story, kill him. You might as well use him for some good, you know, emotional grounds. Yes, give Indy some development. Yeah, and, and I think that it does fit within his character, the way they described how he died. And mm -hmm. it gives Indy a, a reason to be emotionally vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um which that was something else that will kind of transition here a little bit into the presentation of indiana jones we talked about how he's still punching nazis and he's still uh smart as a whip but i kind of felt like there were several moments in this movie where indy himself was more emotionally present there were times this so here's an early spoiler two of indy's co-workers get killed for no reason really they're they're just wrong place wrong time and Indy in the movie takes a moment uh, to 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 be remorseful before moving on to his next step. 
another character gets killed later and Indy gets very upset and has a bit of a uh, an outburst about oh, yeah. watching his you know watching someone he knows dies and you know and then there are other discussions he has uh that kind of mirror that same thing and in a lot of indies movies Indy never really takes a beat with someone dying unless it is you know when he thinks marion died in raiders of the lost ark he's very emotional about that but of course she didn't die you know he gets that he gets her back but we don't see indy uh sort of cry a lot in other movies so i thought that that was at least if we did i'm not remembering it as well but so i appreciated that that in his older age he's more open to just saying you know hey that was effed up what just happened back there so i like that um i agree i agree with you on that yeah. oh but um, in terms of mutt though i think yeah get some emotional weight out of that if you're not going to use them and and honestly, Lucasfilm has no plan for the character. Right. What's the point? You know, why save I, him for some adventure he's never going to have? Exactly. Exactly. I, I think the other key piece in this in this story now is the Mads Mikkelsen character. Um, oh gosh, I was trying to look up his character name because I don't remember it. Um, he goes but, by two different names. What in the what's, movie? What I find interesting about him is that he seems to be a, living as a pretty blatant Nazi in the '60s in New York City. Yeah, and I just I was like, I don't buy that necessarily. Like, <laughs> he is not. He's an unapologetic, you know, Nazi. Like I don't um, think I think they were rounding up Nazis at that point. <laughs> they were. Well, that's the thing is he's a part of Operation Paperclip, which is right uh, an interesting dynamic, an interesting way to reincorporate the Nazis who. Obviously, we're the big bads in in two uh, two of the Indiana Jones films. Right. No matter what they've done with this story over the years, not the Nazis have remained like Indiana Jones's number one foe. Mm -hmm. Like they are the constant bad guy. So it was really nice to see him kicking their ass again. It's some real Captain yeah. America kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, he's the original in that regard. He is in that regard. So I, I love that they found a way to have Indiana Jones fighting the Nazis in 1969, and it still make perfect sense. Yes. Um, so it's, um, you know, and, and, and Mads Mikkelsen's character is very, he's very, he's very hard to read. He's a little bit nebulous. You're right. He is kind of blatantly pro-Nazi. Pro but what his goals were didn't seem clear. He made them clear eventually that his plan is to go back in time. Uh, essentially kill Hitler and correct his mistakes. What exactly right. he did as Hitler's mistakes, we may never know. And like, look, that to me is such a deliciously evil plot plan for an Indiana Jones movie. Like, I love it. I think they, I think Indy even points it out. He's like, what kind of a Nazi kills Hitler? <laughs> and he's like, the kind that wants to win. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. his, whole, his whole thing is that like, nah, man, Hitler was a loser. I could do better, and that's I scary. <laughs> I know it's like what I was like. Well, till he, you know, started in on the on this on on the killing of the Jews or whatever. Right. Who knows? Like, what was what, what were the mistakes exactly? Be specific, right? Right. What, what are you gonna fix? But um, I think it's also interesting to go for someone like Mads Mikkelsen, who he may not be like the most well known name, but I would say that amongst film fans, he's mm -hmm. a very popular name. And I think so. 
No disrespect to to the first three movies. Uma, uh, no, uh, Kate Blanchett's a pretty big name too from mm-hmm. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But those first three indie movies, the villains aren't like I would say iconic actors. At least not on the level of a Harrison Ford. No. They're not necessarily contemporaries of Harrison Ford. And I think that's always been kind of an interesting thing is that like the villains in the first three indies are just kind of like character actors, just sort of plucked up to be you know the main the main villains. Um, but here you actually get a kind of a name people recognize. And I thought he did a fairly decent job. He's intimidating. Uh, he's uh, he's calculating, you know. So I I thought that Mads Mikkelsen was pretty good here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to get into like every single plot detail from here on out. But what essentially then unfolds is a like amazing race style intercontinental chase where – Indy and Helena and um, Mads Mikkelsen are chasing each other and like Indy gets the dial and then Mads gets the dial and then Indy gets the dial. And we do that for, this is one of my um, notes, possibly too, too long. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it's, I can't deny that every chasing is pretty good because damn, does James Mangold know how to film a race? Like he just does. He knows how to do it. That little the car chase, the little when he, when they're in the little car in the little tight city, like that was great, um, and a lot of really uh, brutal deaths there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The deaths are hard hitting, but less bloody. Like the, yeah, the other Indiana bloody, Jones, but... they they have a little bit more blood to them. This doesn't. I wouldn't say this was bloody, but it was like right. there's a guy who like slams into a big pile of. Uh, you know, cut cut limbs. You know that are like somebody's hauling limbs. Those right. just slams. It was like very des- you know Final Destination style. Just added to a bunch of limbs, and I was like, and the, my crowd went, "Oh, that didn't look good." At but, one um, point, um, but, but maybe one. You're right. One too many chase scenes. I think that honestly, you could have cut down a lot of the Morocco scene uh, sequence, and you probably would have been fine because it did feel like that. they would get away and then they would get caught and then they would get away and then they would get caught and they would get away it was just too many they, times they do because i felt like it took away from some other cool moments one in particular that i felt like went a little too fast was this scene where they are uh, indy and helena are diving to a roman shipwreck to collect the other piece of the dial mm-hmm. and, and like first of all that shipwreck was suspiciously close to the surface to have never had that dial discovered. Right. <laughs> I right. was like, they didn't even need a submersible for this. Yeah. It's 1969, you know, uh, submersible diving wasn't really as big of a thing yet. Uh, but that Maybe. scene goes pretty quick. We do yeah. get a nice fun. We get, we get a nice little callback to uh, Indy's fear of snakes. Yes. I mean, he has to deal with a bunch of eels. Yes. Recontextualized uh, as eels, you know, they look like snakes. No, they don't. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I cracked good, up at that. That was a good laugh moment for the audience. Uh, but but they get chased out of there pretty early. Um, Mads and crew show up, steal the dial, that whole thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, with a little less car chase scene, we could have maybe seen more of that Roman shipwreck. Did I say Roman earlier or Romulan? I think you said Roman. <laughs> okay, there's a small chance I said Romulan, and I'm just now catching it. <laughs> you might have. I'm, I'm I'm mixing my franchises. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I want to bring that. So that's remember that we made that that connection because I want to talk about that same thing later. Oh, I want to anyway. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think there was some definite, there was a little bit, there might've been a little bit of fat. And I, I think that there's obviously probably a thought process of this is the last Indiana Jones movie. Why leave anything out? You know, like, you know, if we've got like, who, you know, who's, who's going to complain the last, was the last time we're going to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if it's, I, I think it's probably, I would be surprised if it's not the longest Indiana Jones film, it's two and a half hours. But I think honestly, you probably could have shaved 20 something minutes off of this at least. And, uh, and, and you would have been fine. Um, probably. Um, but I thought that there's also a young character, uh, called Teddy, Teddy, and, uh, he was always a kid pocket. Yeah. That's a good kid to have around. He's a little pit pocket constantly in peril. Um, you know, there were, I think some of the other characters in the movie were sort of either not necessary at the end of the day or, um, just didn't really have anything else going for them. Boyd Holbrook as this uh, sort of right-hand man to to Mads Mikkelsen. Seanette Renee Wilson as a U.S. government agent who's also working with Mads Mikkelsen. I just kind of felt like they didn't really, despite this two-and-a-half-hour runtime, those kind of characters like just felt very one-dimensional and didn't really add anything to the overall way the story was going. Um, but I also want to get to um, the dial... So let's talk about the, the the MacGuffin itself, right? Sure. We've got a lot of these things in Indiana Jones movies, and a big point of hot contention was the crystal skulls and the aliens of the the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about Archimedes' dial. Yeah. Finds fissures in time. It's a mathematical device. It's not supernatural. It's mathematical. These things already exist. It's just a way to it's just a way to find them. Mm-hmm. Allows people to travel through time. What do you think about that time travel in the Indiana Jones franchise? Super cool. Super into it. Super fine with it. Like, it's been said before, every single Indiana Jones movie has some element of the supernatural in it, whether it's the literal Ark of the Covenant, melting people's faces off, Mm -hmm. um, the Holy Grail giving eternal life to people, um, the aliens, and now the possibility of time travel. None of those... That has never been an issue for me. And this was cool because it was something new. Like, I do also appreciate that there's something new in every indie movie. What I do find funny is that Indiana is always like, that can't be real. He has a moment where he's like, time travel. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) It's like, really, Indy? You draw the line at time travel now? You met a knight of the Third Crusade. Right. You know, like, come on. Um, uh, so that was cool. And I like the idea of it being a fisher in time and not literal. I can pinpoint exactly where I want to go and do whatever I want. Yeah. Time travel. It, it's not, it's not getting into a, into a box it, and pushing yeah. some buttons and then you go back in time. It's like It raises the stakes and it yeah. sets us up for a really nice twist in this movie too. It does. And it has a, it has a connection to history um, yeah. in that, you know, time travel, you could go back to any point in time and, Harrison or Indy as a archaeologist, what bigger dream would there be than to actually visit, you know, a previous point in time? Um, right. So it, it, I think that it is supernatural. It is, you know, it's it, it borders on that element of sci-fi, which I think that was more the issue people had with the interdimensional beings of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was that Indy always had a route, uh, foot in the supernatural and the saucer man was a little too much sci-fi 
this also has a bit of a, a step into sci-fi, but it feels like they made found a way to make it feel paranormal. Yes, and I'm just glad we didn't put Indiana Jones in the multiverse. I've had it enough. <laughs> that, no, that said, though, Indy meeting Han Solo, meeting his character from Shrinking, like that would be, uh, that'd be, you know. You ever seen, uh, you know, Harrison Ford just gives legendary interviews. Have you ever seen the one of him being asked who would win in a fight between Han Solo and Indiana Jones? <laughs> I don't uh, no, I don't think I have, but I can he imagine goes, what his answer was. He goes, <laughs> me, asshole. <laughs> I'm both of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who gives a crap? He, it's literally him. He, go, he goes, me. <laughs> so just, I love him. I love Harrison. Yeah. I do, um, too. So... Yes, let's we've we've already we've given you guys so many spoiler warnings already, but this is the big fi- the last final twist I think. Um, Mads has taken control of a, of an airplane, and he is going to fly into the fissure. Uh, Indiana Jones is in the plane with him. He's going to return to Paris in nineteen forty whatever, yeah. and do his thing. Indy realizes last minute. In, like, fantastic math fashion, I guess. Yeah. That Archimedes wouldn't have accounted for continental drift. <laughs> Which makes total sense. It does. It's such a, it's such a, it, you know, um, I think it was Harrison Ford who said that Indiana Jones fits into this nice little interesting pocket where he's an action hero. Yeah. Who's a big nerd. Because yeah. he's sitting there and he's, like, watching, like, things bounce around the thing and he goes, Continental drift. He's laughing his ass <laughs> off. Continental drift. He's Our like, Archimedes didn't account no, for it. You know, and, and and the great thing about Indy is like he's totally fine to die at this moment. He's like, he you're gonna, you're, we're shit. all gonna die, and like he just wants to make sure you know this isn't gonna work out for you. He goes, Archimedes wouldn't have known about continental drift. Why would he? And it's yeah, for, yeah. Um, so so then but, we get yeah. the great reveal, which is so. He convinces Mads to pull out, and he uh, Mads aborts the mission, but they get pulled into the fissure. Mm-hmm. And then this is where James Mangold shined the most for me. This amazing reveal, because he thinks he's he thinks it worked, and they are in yeah. Paris in nineteen forty whatever. Um, and then we see these ships, and then we see the sails, and we're like, oh my god, they went back to the Roman times, yeah, and they're- I ascended in my seat <laughs> yeah yeah i was, was so unexpected you know and he goes those are roman triremes you know and i was like of course yes roman triremes yes and absolutely uh, and not only you know they go back in time to 213 bc the very battle that indy was talking about at the beginning towards the beginning of the movie so like and yeah like the you know the the romans and the the syracusans they're looking up and they're like they got dragons because there's these two planes. Yes, there are planes, and it's two thirteen BC. They can't even <laughs> fathom that. It's it's a pretty crazy concept, and it's so a, it's this. I just thought a really fun scene. Yeah, where you've got an airplane being attacked by like Roman archers yeah. and um, fire bombs, and they. It's cool. It's like I don't know. Never seen. It is, never seen that before. It is one of those things of whenever there is time travel, I because of Back to the Future, I'm always thinking about, oh man, they're going to disrupt the time, the flow of time, and they're going to create an alternate night. So when Indy goes back to the future, there's going to be an alternate 1969 he goes back to where they didn't land on the moon or something. But 
fortunately, there seems to be no great no 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 repercussions for this little dalliance back in time. He no, does get to meet Archimedes, one of his heroes. Yes, which that's pretty neat. Amazing. He gets to yeah. He gets and to meet Archimedes. I think a lesser a lesser movie would have stunt casted Archimedes as some person. You know, when everybody would have been like, "Whoa, blank." Isn't this Seth Rogen? You know, whatever it is. Seth Rogen is Archimedes. He goes and goes, oh, Indy. <laughs> you have my di- my dial. Thank you, you were always supposed to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is a I thought that that was in terms of spectacle, a really cool spectacle for your for sort of the finish. I thought that one of my well, you know, some of my criticisms here, but one of my only other criticisms is that I felt like the resolution of the whole movie goes too quick at that point because yeah, it feels okay. like there's, we talked about the long chase sequences. It feels like it's building and building and building, but the, the middle ground between where the, the second act ends and the third act begins, I don't even know. And then we're in this big, you know, epic battle scene They're in all that. And then it's just kind of like, boom, jump cut. And slowly things just kind of end you know and it's like i would have liked a little bit more of a a swoop down you know what i mean i would have liked more of a of a journey to the back to where we started but it was just kind of a very sudden finish to me yeah i agree so we get another little fake out here where indy insists on being left behind in rome Mm -hmm. to 13 bc which is like, so obviously that doesn't happen, and I'm glad it didn't happen because it didn't. I don't. I don't know that I feel like Indy would really do that because he. I think he would also be concerned about changing the past. But I didn't really think about that at the time, and I don't mind because we get another great moment where um, Helena just punches him, <laughs> yeah. and that was a real nice Indy moment too. And check for some CTE after that. Just knocks um, his ass out and takes him home when when he insists on, no, leave me, I'll die here, I'm old. And I would have liked to, you know, I think I would have appreciated that conversation being a little bit more fledged out. I think that's one of my my only real issues is because Indy is, you know, I mean, we can throw out all of those, all of those uh, cliches. He's a lion in winter. He's, a you know, a man who is, doesn't know where he fits in in society anymore. He doesn't feel like he's lost his son. His wife has left him, right? He doesn't feel like he has anything really to offer the world at this point. He's retiring from academia. Children, you know, kids aren't interested in what he's talking about anymore. The world is more gray than it was when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. He feels like he no longer fits in the in his in his time. So let him so he, you know, let him let him die in this moment where he can be a part of what he's always wanted to see. He's, yeah. He's surrounded and, by what he loves history. And, you know, I think it would have been, uh, I, I, I don't mind what they did, but I think a more gradual, like it's really blowing out that conversation to have it as full as you could have it. I think I would have appreciated before she knocks him out. My dog scratching at the door. Oh, back there. So uh, anyway, but I would have. So that's my only real thing is like, you know, like I I said a minute ago, it's the last time we're probably going to see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. You know, flesh that out as much as you can before we say goodbye. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The goodbye was a little fast because, yes, once 
Once Helena knocks Indy out and he wakes back up in his proper time, it's a pretty quick resolution after that. Um, we get a, a last-minute return for, by Marion, mm-hmm. who I guess is, they've decided not to separate anymore. We get a little peek at some divorce papers early in the movie. Uh, right. But it, it's, it seems to imply that that is no longer the case at the end. They share a nice little kiss. Hang on. And then Indy grabs his uh, hat from the window and the movie ends. So we get a nice little definitive ending for Indiana Jones that doesn't do anything, really. It doesn't say this is over forever. It doesn't say there's definitely going to be more. It just kind of ends the story. And I'm very pleased with that. Like, you know, they did the fake out in Crystal Skull of having Mutt reach for the hat, and then Indy grabs it. They didn't even mess with that this time. Indy grabbed the hat, we in the movie. Yeah, everybody have a good time. Right. Thank you for not messing around with that stuff. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for not making Phoebe pick up the hat. Right. And let's talk about that a little bit, because uh, you and I both commented on a Variety or Deadline article where I think it was Kathleen Kennedy talked about Phoebe Waller-Bridge could very well take over the Indiana Jones franchise. And just kind of no knock against her. Cause I actually think she was, she is good outside of the Indiana Jones franchise. She was really good here, but I don't feel like her character really seems to me like Indy's life would be appealing to her. You know what I mean? Like I just can't see her going off on these adventures for the same kind of reasons that Indy did. I can't either. And like, you know, I'm not running this ship like like Kathleen Kennedy is, but I will say, regardless of how good Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in the movie, she's not Indiana Jones. So Indiana Jones, the franchise, cannot continue without mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. You can call it something different if you want, and I'm fine with that. I think Phoebe's character was great, and if they want to give her a spinoff movie, fine. But, like, don't come up with some hackneyed way to, like, make her nickname be Indiana or something. Right. And I'm the great god. I'm the goddaughter of the great Indiana Jones. Just do something new. I think it's time. Indiana Jones should be done. Right. And should I think that done. it was it. It just can't be replicated. I just don't think it can. Um, there is very it can't, little. We've already learned what happens when they've tr- when they tried to recast Han Solo. Like right. it just didn't work. You know, and and you know, I I like I like the movie Solo. I don't think that I don't think that the care I don't think the actor was necessarily the problem there. No, you know, it wasn't of, the problem. But I but, do think that people maybe didn't want to see it just because they're like, it's not the real Han Solo. No, yeah, and there is an element of people just I don't think people are interested in Han Solo's origin so much. And um, you know, if they were to do a re, if they were to try the young Indiana Jones, you know, Chronicles again. Or something like that that might develop some interest but i just think that if they were going to expand the universe of indiana jones and give you a bunch of spinoffs and stuff the time to do that was a lot was a long time ago um i i think people are i think audiences are too cynical for it now i think they're too i think they're not willing to hear the idea of a spinoff from uh from a franchise uh, to an extent for for some franchises i think that's the case i think that if you said 
hey, you know, Indiana Jones is done, but we're going to come out with some new movies about this character that we introduced in Dial of Destiny. People would be like, we don't care about that character. Mm-hmm. You know? I just mm-hmm. don't think it's very likely. Now, people would, for whatever, <laughs> people would be excited if there was a suddenly a series about, or a movie about Short Round, because Short Round has nostalgia. And, you know, Short Round has has that that piece of, of legacy going about him, right? Right. But people aren't going to be lining up to see a Teddy movie. I just met this character. There's no nostalgia there. No, no, and I really don't even think they'll line up to see a Phoebe Waller Bridge, um, Indiana Jones. No, uh, I think and, and, I really think it's done. Like, and they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have done it for Mutt either. They wouldn't have no, done it for no, Mutt. No, they wouldn't because have. It has nothing to do with being Phoebe. Now, thirty years from now, maybe people will be more interested in those characters because they'll be thirty years old, and you'll have a generation of kids like my son. My son's going to watch all five of these movies, and to him, they're all going to be great because. He, like for me, I love Temple of Doom when I was a kid. I don't love it as much now. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid, Temple of Doom was just as good as the other two because I was seven years old. You know what I mean? They like they were all perfect Indiana Jones movies. But, you know, so like for for my son, he's going to watch those movies and Mutt Williams is going to be one of his favorites, no doubt. And yeah. he's going to love all these things. So maybe, I don't know, 30 years from now, you could maybe look into the idea of, of a remake, I think. But you can't do it right now. You can't do it. You can't do it at this point. No. And you no. know what I love about Harrison Ford too? Uh, we talked a little bit about this on TikTok. If they had let him, in, Harrison Ford would have done 12 Indiana Jones movies since Last Crusade. Like, he loves this character more than anything else he's ever done. Yeah. You know? Like, He's the reason King of the Crystal Skull happened. He just after Last Crusade, apparently, like once a year, he would he would he would pester Steven Spielberg and George Lucas about making another one, and they finally got around to doing it in 08. And basically, work on this movie started right after that, like right after King of the Crystal Skull came out. And he was like, "All right, so when are we making the fifth one?" And Lucas and Spielberg are like, "The fifth one? We just made the fourth one." You know, like he would have done this. I think he would have done this at once every three years if he'd had his way. I do wish this movie had come out several years ago. I think it would have been received better. And I think just all in all, it would have been better. Harrison wouldn't have been quite as old. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Here we are. Final Indiana Jones. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this real quick before we move into, I think, uh, the last little bits of the the show. Uh, Well, first off. He's in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler. Great to see Sala. Great to see John Reese davies as Sala. Yes, yes. My, I got a nice little uh, applause in my theater. Yeah, people love people love Sala. He's just he, my. Uh, I went. I saw this with my in laws, and they were very excited to see him. He's like one of those characters that's just very memorable. Um, but I also want to talk about. Do you think there would have been any value in Indiana Jones dying at the end of this movie? So I, I didn't. I, I honestly didn't think it was going to happen, but I came in knowing it was a possibility. I thought, you know, it, does Indiana Jones die here? Does do we kill him like they killed Han Solo? And with a lightsaber? With, yeah, specifically with a lightsaber <laughs> um, by his son, <laughs> um, Mutt Williams, back from the dead. This no, time played by by uh, Adam Driver. <laughs> Adam Driver. Uh, so. I don't think it would have been better 
because I don't feel like I get anything out of seeing Indy die. Uh, and I don't feel like he needed to in this movie. He kind of got, he kind of reached a point where he was ready to. Yeah. But then he, then common sense took hold is how, I guess how I'll word it. And so I think this was a better uh, ending. I d- I agree. I think that if you kill him off, you push that like his his biggest fear, sort of in the, at, at, you know at this stage of his life, is that he's of a no use anymore, right? That he doesn't fit. And I think if you just basically if you kill him off, you just confirm that idea that like you know, hey, old people, once you reach a certain age, you're of no use to anybody. But he comes back, and guess what? He is still valued. There are still people who definitely care very much about you. Uh, in this case, his wife, his good friend Sala, and their grandkids, his goddaughter. Like you know, he there is his his life still has value, size meaning he doesn't have to be going gallivanting all over the world recovering artifacts to to be important. Um, so you know, I think that that's good. That said, in another presentation in another movie, I think that. When you say something like, this is it, we're done. We're not making any more of these. Death has that element of finality. I think people would have ripped on it because, you know, this is the same guy who made Logan. And of course, Logan dies at the end of Logan. Spoiler for that movie. (gasps) (laughs) I think people would have just said, oh, that's James Mangold's thing. He takes old characters and kills them. Uh, Yeah, that would be his thing now. We don't want that. It would become his thing. Yeah, and... um, but I thought that uh, that was there was definitely a potential there of if you really want a sense of finality, Harrison, you know, Andy sacrifices himself or, you know, uh, finally just, you know, he can't go on. It's just he's become he's a, you know, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I have this imagery in my head, but sometimes when it came, comes to I love the idea of an old like an old lone wolf kind of thing you know like it's this wolf that survived being hunted for you know for years and years and you can see the the marks of war and you can see the battle scars but he just like refuses to refuses to give up there's something and that's kind of a little bit harrison ford in this movie there's a little bit of i just refuse to give up you know you're gonna have to kill me like i'm not going to just die um and so i think that there could have been a story there He's very some, Michael Myers in that way. Yeah, the, you know, I think there, 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 there's a potential for that to be a story, but I prefer this. I prefer rewarding Indy with a good life, or at least with, I do too. Yes, the idea I of, agree you know. that. And you know, there is. A, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed. I don't think it has, but there's like rumor and theorizing going on in the fandom that um, part of Indy's um, vitality is from the sip he took from the uh, Holy Grail. It could be. And that might be why he's still so spry in his 80s. Could be, could be. I'm sure took, there are... just enough. I'm sure there are some some nerds out there that'll say that'll tell us some, why that's not... That he can't actually be the case. drank one whole well, from the Grail. The, the knight said that the power doesn't work beyond the seal. <laughs> Whatever, right? Anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's fun. You know, like, why not? He's in good shape. He's in decent shape. No, and he has for, young people to do the hard work. Is he actually eighty? Harrison Ford. I got He is eighty exactly. Oh my God, right he'll be at. eighty-one next week. Oh wow! Well, there you go. Happy birthday, Harrison Ford. 
So this podcast will come out uh, on that week. Yes, he's almost old enough to be president. <laughs> you're you're getting there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he was president. He oh, was president. Air Force One. Air Force One. That's our July 2024. There we go. With the July pick is Harrison. Ford always watch a Harrison Ford movie on it on on the Fourth of July. Oh my God! A true American icon. <laughs> uh, I love that idea. <laughs> Ford February. Ford February. Ford. Hair, yeah, it's got to be Ford February. You know, I want to um, say too, you're wearing the Ryan Johnson uh, Who Done It hat. I want to see Harrison Ford in the next Knives Out. Let's do. Let's make that happen. Would love to see that. Let's make. Would that love happen. to see that, Ryan. I know you're a fan of the show. Um, if you could make that happen, I think <laughs> yeah. Harrison would be great in the movie. If you you should watch him in Shrinking. He's very good at comedy still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he would be a great rich old billionaire. Um, he, you know what? He'd be, he'd be a great victim. He'd yes. be the one that got killed. And then you'd see, we'd see him through flashbacks and stuff. We're right in the movie. It's fine. Oh yeah. It's fine. We, we haven't figured out how to, you know, we haven't figured out the, 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 the real hook of it yet, but we'll no. get, we're getting there. We're, well, yeah, we'll have it ready for you. Um, all right. Any other, any other final thoughts on, on Dial of Destiny before we move into uh, opening weekend and, uh, Letterboxd? No, I know a lot of people. I know there are some people that are crapping on this movie and saying a lot of uh, a lot, lot of bad stuff about it. But um, I'm just not in that group. I'm just not in that group. So um, I I enjoyed nope. myself, and I I feel pretty good. Is it my nope. top Indiana Jones movie? No, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, I loved it. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, it's not my top indie movie either, but it's very solid. It's a good indie story. I I told someone else, I feel like it's something that fans, like fans of Indiana Jones will appreciate, but general audiences might not care anymore uh, and it might not be enough for them. And that's fine. Right. And I think that's why there's some of the mixed review because I feel the same way. Of the negative reviews I've read, I don't really see eye to eye with them. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah. But how... Uh, do opening weekend numbers look? You know, opening weekend numbers, um, I might call them disappointing, but I don't know. It's really hard to tell sometimes these days. Sorry, more sneezing. Anyway, um, the projection was that it would make about $65 million. As of Sunday night, it is looking at right at 60 even for its three-day weekend, but it's looking at $82 million for its five-day, so that's not the worst. That's not the worst open. Uh, it opened this weekend, June 30th, 2023, uh, in the number one spot with that 60 million. And number two, you have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with 11.5. Elemental with uh, in its third week with 11.3. No Hard Feelings starring Jennifer Lawrence at, with 7.5. And Transformers Rise of the Beast at number five. Um, also opening this weekend, though, I want to just mention this because I've seen some people talking about it on TikTok today. Uh, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, uh, opens to the worst opening weekend for DreamWorks ever with only $5.2 million in the number six spot. Yeah, I first heard about that movie last week. So, See, that's interesting. I had been seeing trailers for it uh, a little bit earlier there, during this year, a few uh, in front of a f- few movies, and uh, but I, had no in- I, I didn't have really much interest in seeing it. Some people have been talking about it being poorly marketed, but I saw a lot of marketing for it. 
I just don't think there was much interest in it as it turns out. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I, I didn't know much about it. Um, it is so. interesting for <laughs> DreamWorks animation to have one of have its worst opening weekend, not not just three weeks after Pixar had one of its worst opening weekends. So with Spider-Verse and Super Mario being two of the biggest hits of the year, it's it's hard to say it's animation that's that's struggling, but maybe I don't know something's something's off. Right. Maybe these Pixar and DreamWorks just aren't capturing the young generation as well as they did in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I think one of the issues with Indiana Jones being a a disappointing opening is because it's um, it's budget is so comically large. Yeah. Um, Almost indefensibly large. I really wonder why it. It, it, it's listed as $295 million, which is like one of the most expensive movies ever made. And that's silly when you yeah. see it. It's silly yeah. that it costs that much. It, it, it has to be a lot. A lot of it has to go to visual effects, I would think, because right. between de-aging, which isn't cheap, and then there's a lot of shots that are, you know, I'm sure a mixture of practical and visual effects. Um, and so that stuff runs you up. Um you know, I don't know. You ne- we we the, the 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 general audience never really get a full breakdown of what percentage went to what, but yeah, it's a lot of money. So, you know, Indiana Jones. So as a franchise, Crystal Skull opened to a hundred million dollars back in two thousand eight. Um, the other indie films are kind of up and down. Um, you know, obviously, unadjusted for inflation. Raiders of the Lost Ark only opened $8 million back in 1981 um, and went on to be one of the bigger movies of that year. And, um, the Last Crusade was the third highest opening of 1989. So it's kind of hard to say, like when you look at this franchise, it's not the biggest blockbuster of all time. It's not like every Indiana Jones movie has been the most, the most successful film of its year. That said, I was hoping that that Dial of Destiny... At the beginning of the year, I was hoping Dial of Destiny would be like a $95 million, $100 million opening weekend. Yeah. Instead, it opens around the same space nice. as Fast X. And uh, what else came out this year that, around that around that place? Um, what is kind of hard for me to wrap my head around is um, I'm looking at them now. And... Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the only movie of the four to crack 300 million in North America. Mm-hmm. And the your budget for this one is 300 million. It's like but guys, how could it make money? Right. You know like and Crystal well, Skull made 317, so it was cutting it close. Um these movies have never performed that large. Yeah. Yet you spent that much money on it and I don't well, know. Well, obviously Obviously, you know, inflation does play a, does play a, a factor here. Inflation plays a role. The pandemic but, plays a role. But um, Disney Plus plays a role. All that to say, generally speaking, Disney Disney as a whole has never made all of their money just on box office receipts. Most of their money comes from merchandising. If Indiana Jones continues to be a great seller in terms of merchandise, they may break even. That right. said, you would hope that indy's last movie which they may have maybe they should have gone harder on how that on that being the promotion then they didn't yeah 
they didn't. They did not make a big deal about this being Indy's last movie. They were just like, it's a new Indiana Jones. But if maybe they had gone harder in on that, it could have brought more in this opening weekend. With with the word of mouth being seemingly a little bit mixed, I don't know how great the legs will be, but we'll see. Uh, So anyway, $60 million opening is kind of the same round as Fast X and Transformers. Uh, Creed 3 opened around that amount. But but when you take into account uh, the projection for the 4th of July weekend, so this is including Monday and Tuesday, I think, you're looking at maybe $82 million. So, you know, it's already the number 15 movie of the year. So we'll see where it climbs from there and what other movies may push it down over time. Um, I felt like I was going to talk about one more thing with that, but it's not really important. I'm uh, I'm good to move on to the letterbox game. All right, let's look at some of the most popular reviews right now for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It is a little all over the place. Um, the most popular view is long, so I'm only going to read the first sentence, uh, but it's also just wrong. <clears throat> One and a half stars, a near inconceivable train wreck, which just is mind boggling to me. Uh, right. Two stars, Crystal Skull Innocent. <laughs> uh, three stars, sometimes all you really need is the comforting on screen presence of Indiana Jones punching Nazis. <laughs> um, three stars, Indiana Jones in the fine movie. There you go. Three star or two stars. The Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland is more thrilling than this. Hmm. Oh my gosh! I was trying to find. A... See, the issue with this is that a lot of the really positive reviews are also like really long and they're not funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, here's a good one. Three and a half stars. Mads Mikkelsen on Hitler. I could fix him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do we think? Indiana Jones and the Fine Movie. You you go first cuz I always I always go first and I end up I end up uh uh cutting your legs off. 2.9. Okay. Is what I'm going to sit at, I think. I really hope it's not that low. Um, I do too, but dang. 3.2 inconceivable train wreck okay we got 3.2 from you and 2.9 from me i hope there's more people like us out there um i can confirm that there are more people like us out there because even though you didn't want to undercut me you still won um oh. the movie is a 3.1 on letterbox so you were 0.1 ahead was i yeah oh, I said you 3.2 3. didn't i you okay. said 3.2 and it's 3.1 okay so you were closest Man, I am on a roll. You really are. It's getting, uh, I think, hard to catch up. I know. We're going to have to come up with a new game now. I know. Or I'm just going to have to get better at this. Jeez. Yeah, 3.14 is where it's sitting right now on Letterboxd. All right. What are our ratings going to be? Mine's, look, let me just get it out there. It's four and a half stars for me. And it's mostly because of how much I love Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> similarly, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. It has rewatchability. I think I can't look, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I wouldn't mind seeing it in the theater again. If I have time, I think it'd be cool. I would give it a four stars. It has, I, I look forward to rewatching it. 
I look forward to uh, diving into it again. And uh, if I had to rank the series, for me personally, the ser- the order would go three, one, five, four, two. No, uh, two, four. Three, one, five, two, four. Three, and Temple of Doom one, only skates by on nostalgia for me. Two, four. Wow, okay. I think, oh, this is tough for me. This is right in the middle. I think I'm still one at the top. I think Raiders is still, I think I'm one, three, five, four, two. One, three, five, four, two. I think is where I'm going to land. I think that's, you know what? I think that is totally respectable. We kind of, we switch three, one, and we switch two, four, but we both agree. This is kind of a good middle. Like this is it's a good middle. It's not it's not the greatest of all time, which that's what you that's know, what but it's also not that bad. A friend the other day asked me for a spoiler-free thought review, and I said, I had a lot of fun. I smiled a lot. I don't want you to think it's like, oh my god, holy crap, this is amazing, because it's not that, mm-hmm. but it's very solid. Mm-hmm. And he was it, like, That sounds good enough for me. Like the thing is, you can I don't think it's possible to be to 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 outdo the originality of the first movie or to outdo sort of the the nostalgia of the of of 2 and 3. Yeah. It's just hard. So, you know, but I think this is a solid 3. It's better than 4. It's better than 2 for me, you know. Uh and, and so I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think this is a good place for Indiana Jones to end. Um and this is a good place for this episode to end. That's true. Um, re- reviewing probably our last Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can find us online at so many sequels.com where we have our whole back catalog of episodes and links to our social media channels where you can follow us there as well. We're always posting um, stuff about what we're working on next. So go check that out. And of course, subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube. And check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash so many sequels. Uh, get signed up there and you can get other fun stuff from us. So we'll be back next week with something new for you. So subscribe and we'll see you then. Bye.